Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings, the card game. My name's John, and here's my co-host. His love for the Halfling's Leaf has slowed his mind. It's Emery. Hi, John. <laughs> That's actually, sadly, a probably a bit truer than it should be. But, I've, but just those days are long behind me. I'd like to make that clear. <laughs> uh, so we're back. We're back. We had a little bit of time off. But uh, we promised we'd come back, and uh, and come back we did. So uh, how have you been? How how did you spend your time off? Well, I guess true to tradition, <laughs> we're still in the well, kind of still in the lockdown here in the UK for the coronavirus. Things got a bit looser, but we're still basically essentially getting told to stay at home and do all of that good stuff. So it's actually been very similar to to last time. I can't wait for this coronavirus thing to be over for for well, for obvious reasons, but also so that you've done some more interesting things between shows. I mean, I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> this does go against my natural programming. To, so, so <laughs> like an exploration of inner space, <laughs> stuck inside a, an apartment. But um, yeah, I've... I've um, Gosh, what have I been doing? Anything, I'm trying to think of anything interesting we're doing. Just doing some reading, doing, catching up on some films and TV shows and stuff. And yeah, that's really been about it. Pretty boring stuff. <laughs> no, <that's> pretty, <laughs> How about you? That's fair enough. Um, well, actually, I took a whole week away from Lord of the Rings. So no podcast, no playing, no watching the films, no reading the books. Uh, just sort of cleanse my, uh, my Lord of the Rings soul a little bit. And uh, actually, it was pretty good. It it, it just uh, made me ground myself a bit. So when I came back to playing the game, I was full of gusto and excited to play. And uh, now I'm back into it full swing and, and yeah, loving it. But other than that, yeah, not a lot. <laughs> see, see, I had a go at you <laughs> for not having not exactly. anything. Uh, I really, really haven't done very much either. I think the old um, conversational tropes of how are you? <laughs> present a much bigger challenge than they did oh yeah how have you been present a much bigger challenge than they did two months ago <laughs> it's like what have you been up to uh, <laughs> i tell you what i did do um and th- this is uh related to the last episode last episode you may recall that we were discussing escape from dolgador and we mentioned that perhaps if you were playing solo you could play uh with more than one deck but just still by yourself and I referred to this act as double fisting. Yes, I recall. <laughs> now, this caused quite a discussion online. Oh, did it? Oh, God. <laughs> Where have you been going on this? <laughs> okay. um, yeah, well, I mean, most people in the community were saying that they did indeed know it as double fisting and indeed as playing two-handed. But there was quite a discussion to say that perhaps it wasn't really known as that and people didn't really call it that anymore. And maybe I'm just a bit <laughs> a bit behind the times when it came to it. So I thought, I love democracy and um, humour is the very essence of a democratic society. That's true. So, um, <laughs> so I decided I'd put it to a vote. So I set up a poll in three different places on the internet. I set one up on Board Game Geek. I set one up on the Fantasy Flight forums and i set one up on and the other Twitter. one you have one you can't mention no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, and, I, and so I thought I'd find out, you know, what should we be calling this? And I would accept the results, and the results are in. I said I'd mention it on this show about what what happened, and the overwhelming winner is two-handed. By a long margin. So on Board Game Geek, I think um, I think there was, there was at the time of recording there was well over a hundred people had voted, and I think it's roughly ninety seven percent for two handed and about two point eight percent for double fisted and point two percent of something else entirely, which I don't know what that would be, but there you go. So 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 my my take on it being a bit of a, you know, having no real insight into this or the history of it was, I mean, you get dealt a hand, right? So two-handed kind of makes sense or two double, double decker. That might be a good one to call it. Play with two decks. But where did double fisted come from in the first place? Because it sounds to me like there was a small number of people on one thread somewhere on one of these websites and somebody played a trick on them and they said, oh yes, I'm pretty sure it doesn't mention double fisted in the rule book, right? That's it. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. But, it, but to be fair, it doesn't mention two-handed either. Um, so, so that was Board Game Geek was it was like, like I say about ninety-eight percent to two percent on Fantasy Flight. It was a hundred percent for uh, for two-handed. Um, God, God bless democracy. <laughs> and on Twitter, it was it was a little bit different. It was I think it's fifteen percent for double-fisted and eighty-five percent for for two-handed. So. Obviously, people are just a, a little bit more messed up on Twitter, but I think we know that. Well, uh, yes, <laughs> point proof. <laughs> um, okay. So, not to dwell, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm drawing a line under it. Double fisted is dead, two handed all the way. Not that I ever play two handed. By the way, I, from this moment forward, I will be referring to it as double deckers <laughs> when I play that. Double decked, just to be contrarian. That's how I roll. You're that 0.2%. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you got to have them. That's part of democracy too. Absolutely. <laughs> so I did that. So that I, I feel like we can draw a line under that now. Yeah, well, it sounds, it sounds like you've done a good, thorough <laughs> test there. So yeah, I think you, you can draw a line under it <laughs> quite safely. <laughs> and other than that, we've both been spending a bit of time working out how this podcast is going to continue because obviously up until this point we've been just going through the core set and we know that everyone has a core set so the podcasts themselves kind of structured themselves naturally I mean we uh, went through the core cards and we went through the core set adventures and I think that all made perfect sense but we had to sort of think how are we going to move this forward? Sort of knowing that we wanted to play through the game progressively, starting with the first uh, cycle, of course. But as I think most listeners are aware, we both hate spoilers when it comes to well, when it comes to anything. But I think especially important when yeah. you're when you're buying a, a card game which, which progresses in time. So we we had to kind of make a decision about how to proceed, and this is what we've come up with. So basically, we will be playing through the APs in order, as we always set out to do. Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to keep those episodes as completely self-contained episodes. 
So basically what you can do is you can just class that entire episode as a spoiler episode and it will be clearly uh, marked in the show notes as a spoiler episode and which AP we're discussing. So it's easy to go and find the uh, specific episodes if you want to listen to them in any particular order. And we will, of course, put an audio spoiler warning on it as well. And then in between those episodes, we're going to sort of carry on our regular chit chat about the game in general. And of course, the player cards that you receive in the adventure packs and the deluxe packs. Now, the decision we wrangled with and eventually came to is that we've pretty much decided that player cards are not going to be classed as spoilers in our world. Because, I mean, it's a podcast about a card game. It's pretty difficult to talk about card games without talking about the cards. So we had to draw a line somewhere. So basically what we're going to do is, as we go through a cycle, we are going to talk about player cards that are from that entire cycle and not necessarily in the order of release. But we won't talk about cards beyond that cycle until we have finished going through those APs. And... I think that's a pretty fair compromise. Yeah, so just to be clear, we won't be discussing any cards from Khazad-Doom or Dwaradelf, whatever, until we've progressed all the way through the adventure packs from the Mirkwood cycle. Yeah, and by doing it this way, it allows us to talk about the player cards in the sense of spheres and synergy without just talking about the order of release because what you find when you work your way through the APs is that you'll get sort of a smattering of Rohan here a a touch of eagles there and they don't tend to come together until you've collected them all I mean this is this is why they release it in this way is that you want to get more cards to bolster the deck that you're starting to build so in a way it makes it more interesting and more fun to talk about if we can talk about them in groups rather than sort of drip feeding them from one episode to the next yes and i think it's it's still going to be clear to people just by reading the description of any episode what's going to be covered in it so for example if we're going to talk about cards from the tactic sphere in the mirkwood cycle it's going to say that pretty clearly in in the notes on the podcast um so i guess if somebody did not want to see that say actually you know what i want to wait till i've seen the cards myself or, or whatever it is then obviously you know They can just look at that and and skip it as they see fit. Yep. I mean, basically, if you want to hear this, you'll listen to it. If you don't want to listen to it, then uh, that's that's up to you. So we're going to stop all the blackmailing and kidnapping we've done so far to bolster the numbers. Yeah, that's got... It ends here. That's got to end. (laughs) Um, But with that in mind, though, some of the sort of regular extra parts of the show, such as the fact of the week, I think we'll be keeping those in the sort of the non-spoiler episodes. So if you see that we've released an episode for uh, Conflict of the Carrick or whatever, and you think, oh, I haven't played that yet, I don't want to listen to that, I think it's better that you just know you can just skip the whole episode until you're ready. You're not going to be missing any extra content. We'll keep all the extra bits. I mean, you'll be missing all the fun and games and tomfoolery, but you won't be missing yeah. any uh, any Lord of the Rings content. We'll make sure that's all contained in the non-spoiler episodes. Yeah, cool. Um, so with that in mind, this is a spoiler episode, so thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
No, this is good. This is going to be a spoiler episode. So this is going to be an episode where we're going to discuss the first AP that was released, which was A Hunt for Gollum. Or The Hunt for Gollum. Is it The Hunt for Gollum or? Yes. Mm. <laughs> it's not, but so you only do it once. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, it's f- that's f- okay. There's something we're going to come to later on. So, but bear that bear that in mind for later actually John. that's that's triggered something actually <laughs> okay and this is where we'll put the spoiler warning in so blah, 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 spoiler warning spoiler warning just leave it like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> two men lose their minds <laughs> the remainder of this episode contains spoilers for the hunt for Gollum. If you don't wish to hear any spoilers for this scenario, please join us again next time on Later Rings. Okay, so at what point am I supposed to remind you about that thing? Silence. So, you know what? I will remember myself. Oh. (laughs) I think I've recovered from the halfling's leaf enough (laughs) after all these years to probably have, you know, some kind of short-term memory ability <laughs> i don't I, i'm not so sure myself let's, let's test it <laughs> <laughs> okay so hunt for gollum it's as mentioned it's the first ap Sam, that was it's, also, it's called the hunt for gollum <laughs> so hunt for gollum hunt for gollum <laughs> was the first ap released um and yeah it, it was the first ap i played because i played everything in order and uh yeah i just played it again recently for this podcast and um yeah we're gonna discuss it so do you want anything to say before we crack on with it not really apart from i guess um it wasn't the first one i played outside the core set only because the first time i played a game was with was with yourself and you'd you'd played it for a long time before i got it so we played the core set once together then i did we did play a couple of other adventures random quests from I think it might, we might have played one from this cycle, actually. Uh, but we, we'll, we'll come on to that. But the point I'm trying to make is this wasn't the first one outside the corset which I saw. So I guess when you saw it for the first time, it was a bit like you know going out into a bigger world of a game for the, for the first time after having the corset for ages. It was lovely. It was lovely because it was well. It was a new adventure. Oops, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, it was. A, it was a new adventure for a start, and uh, and new player cards. Oh. Boy, it was nice to have new player cards. That, that, and that suddenly opened my mind to how brilliant this was going to be. I was going to say, I bet you could see the possibilities suddenly open up, right? And get you excited for the next ones, yeah. Yeah. So um, so I, I hope you played through it. <laughs> I, I have. So I, I played this um, probably a couple of months ago, first time. I think we played it together, didn't we, a while back too, a few weeks ago. Yeah. In a, was that the one that took us ages? There was one that we played yeah. together that just took hours. <laughs> it took hours and hours and hours. And actually, when I played through it solo um, just the other day, it also wasn't short. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. So I, I remember it took a long time the first time, and it took me a couple of couple of goes to do it. And then when I've come back to it again solo now, I got through it easier. But I think that was because I had experience of it and knew kind of what to expect and it was still kind of fresh in my mind for some reason it's quite a unique kind of quest so it kind of well, stuck in my mind i wish it had stuck in my mind because <laughs> uh, and i had not been on the halfling's leaf because i played through it going oh i'm doing pretty well and then something happened which we're going to talk about 
in a moment, but basically between stage two and stage three. And I went, I should have remembered that. <laughs> oh, I think I had the six first. <laughs> yes. Okay. 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 So st- let's, st- let's start at the beginning and we can re- re- recount our experiences. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So The Hunt for Gollum. Yes. And first card. <laughs> it starts with the first card. Do you want to, have you got it there? Which is called The Hunt Begins. <laughs> uh, okay. Gandalf has requested your assistance in the search for the elusive creature known as Gollum. Your search begins in Anduin Valley, between Mirkwood Forest and the Misty Mountains. So that's the background, and the setup is reveal one card per player from the encounter deck and add it to the staging area. Simple enough. Simple enough. So flip it over, and you see that you need eight progress to complete this card. And then it says, you make your way along the banks of the Anduin River, a likely place for Gollum to find food. Forced. A likely place. <laughs> you just seen grabbing that live fish, <laughs> bashing it on the rocks. Was it wet and wriggling or whatever it was? I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> forced. Um, after the players quest successfully, the first player looks at the top three cards of the encounter deck, reveal and add one of those cards to the staging area, and discard the other two cards. So it's it's a pretty simple um, process. So obviously, the whole idea of this is that you can get through that encounter deck quite quickly, and also you can sort of manipulate what's coming up. And this this actually I found pretty useful because what I found with this quest is that when you're starting out, there are some pretty nasty enemies and treacheries in there, which are dependent on how high your threat is or how many allies you've got. So to be able to sort of look at three cards and I mean there's a downside that you have to add one to the staging area but the fact that you can throw two away I thought was was actually a godsend because at times you could really make sure that you for one you weren't seeing those cards at that point but then also that you could just get rid of them and not see them later but but aside from that there is an ulterior motive for cycling through the encounter deck rather than just being able to manipulate what you see each round and that's the objectives that are are buried within and it's not mentioned on that first quest card but i believe it is actually in the uh in the sort of extra rules insert that you get with the first ap is, is that right yeah that's right i've got it in front of me actually and this is one of the rare cases i think where you do find out something from the the insert sheet which you don't see straight away on the cards usually i guess my experience of having played through a couple of cycles now is general well a couple of exceptions but generally speaking you can just go straight into the cards if you want to um but this one yeah the the rule sheets do tend to just if there's a new keyword or something like that that would need to be explained yeah. then that's definitely where you'll find that information but you're right when it comes to the, the actual sort of included cards normally yeah like you say it, it's normally printed pretty clearly on the quest but not in this case apparently yeah, so it's, it's actually got two sections, and I think one of them is better to kind of not know, in my opinion, when you first play the game, which is a kind of interesting. But we'll speak about that later. And, okay. and the first one, the first section on the insert sheet is, it says, for signs of Gollum objective cards, um, in this scenario, players are searching for clue objective cards titled Signs of Gollum. There are four copies of this card in the encounter deck, players should try to find and claim as many copies of his card as they can while playing the scenario so that's to be discussed as well <laughs> you know what you know what i should have i should have read that I should have. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
So that so so it's telling you straight off that what you're kind of meant to do in regards to well, it's called an objective. So I guess you could probably figure it out. But yeah. then it says in the second paragraph it says uh, when one of these cards is claimed, its card text transforms it into a condition attachment, and it is attached to a hero committed to the quest, with text that returns the card to the top of the encounter deck if the attached hero is damaged. Okay. Additionally. If the attached hero is destroyed or leaves play for any other reason, the Signs of Golem objective card is returned to the top of the encounter deck. So that's what it says on the insert sheet. What it says on the card, I've got a card in front of me as well. So Signs of Golem objective card is it's a clue, it's guarded. Um, yeah. Response. After the players quest successfully, the players may claim Signs of Golem if it has no attached encounters. When claimed... Attach signs of Gollum to any hero committed to the quest. So that lines up with what it says on the card. And then in brackets, counts as a condition attachment with forced after attached hero is damaged or leaves play, return this card to the top of the encounter deck. So you could just use what it says on the card and figure out the fact that it says objective on it. Oh, okay, that's come up. Yeah. Have to see. Actually, so thinking about this further, I wonder if it is better when you first play it not to read that insert sheet. Um, yeah, maybe just 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 so you got the sort of element of surprise and um, yeah. Although it does sometimes give you a little bit of extra background to the context of the quest as well. So in terms of theming and stuff, it's sometimes good to read that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you do always have to read it because if there's if there is a new keyword in there, which there are lots of new keywords that come up throughout the game, you're going to be lost in the dark. A light in the dark. <laughs> maybe the best way to do it, Ben. And these are just suggestions off the top of my head, really. But maybe the best thing to do is just play. If you come across something you don't understand, then refer to it. Because they've normally got a header, haven't they? That's true. I don't know. I'm just trying to make it as mysterious as possible, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Try playing with the cards the wrong way up. <laughs> yeah. That's what our Southern Hemisphere listeners do, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I know it depends which way you can flip it round. And, yeah, I know. That's how my Australian friends always tell me that. <laughs> um, but yes, that's the objectives. So uh, I played through this quest with uh, with a deck made up of cards purely up from the first cycle. I didn't restrict myself to a purely progressive deck. I mean, much like we talked about earlier, I'm basically going to use the player cards that we are going to talk about in upcoming episodes. So I basically used player cards right up to the end of um, Shadows of Mirkwood. I had a very low starting threat. I think 24. I had Eowyn, Legolas, and Dune here. So actually, yeah, I had I, I, yeah, I had just Corset Heroes. And it gave me an opportunity to sort of structure a deck in ways that I probably wouldn't normally have done back then and probably wouldn't normally do now. So just, you know, almost just fun exploration. Um, so I, I made a kind of a deck which had a bit of fighting and a bit of questing. And also... I had, a, I had a song card, which allowed me to use uh, resources to buy um, leadership cards. So I put just a just a touch of leadership in there. I basically put uh, Calabrian Stone in there and with the idea that if I could get that onto Eowyn, she could just be my pure quester all the way. So that, that would give her two extra willpower and I also had Steward of Gondor because if you're going to have any sort of leadership, you might as well put Steward of Gondor in there. So in the end, I had Eowyn with that song and Steward of Gondor 
and Calabrian Stone. So she was making money. She was questing for six. And um, with that in mind, I knew that if, if any of my trackers or scouts came out, I could easily afford them. And then I still had Dune here and Legolas around for any fighting that came up. So for this, I basically managed just to plow... And those cards came out pretty quick. So I managed to plow through this first quest card without any trouble really whatsoever. Yeah, interesting. So I think the first the first time I did this, I had a really similar deck and it was actually based on the one that I'd used for the journey along the Anduin. So it was the same heroes I had then, which was Dunhir, Eowyn, so same as you, but I had Thalin rather than Legolas. But pretty much the same. I didn't have any leadership. Um, but that deck actually, yeah, it, that got through, if I remember correctly, fairly quickly, the, the, that first quest card. When I played this the other day, I actually tried out um, a two-hero deck. Um, so I just had Theodred and Eowyn. Interesting. And when I did it this time, I actually used cards from not even just the cycle, but a couple of future ones as well. So okay. it's the first time, really, I've gone back to one of these just to see, and with only two heroes, and actually got through. I'm not mega easily or anything, but it was still a challenge. But I don't think I could possibly have done it with just two uh, without using some of those cards you get in the future. I just wanted to see how much that sort of changed for the dynamic. And then when we played it together, uh, the deck I used was comprised of, I think, just cards from the cycle. And I think when we did it that time, the heroes I used were Aragorn, Berevor, and Bilbo. And so it's leadership and law, but I think that's because you had tactics and spirit in your deck when we did it that time. Yeah, I think so. I think we tried to balance the two yeah. the two decks, so we had everything everything going for us. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think also just because the ability to see three extra cards from the encounter deck to look for these clues, it was all very well and good, but I didn't see a single one. In that first round, though, I did see two clues as shadow cards, which was very annoying because of course if, if it, there is no shadow effect and that means it just gets sent straight to the discard pile <laughs> and i i couldn't remember how many clues there were but i did know i needed some and i mean i, I didn't lose too much sleep over it I, I was doing fine but it was just a little bit annoying but other than that i'd got through this first card relatively easily yeah. I, I had exactly the same thing so i had two come up as shadows which is, yeah, I had exactly the same experience as you. I think, oh, how many of those are there? <laughs> Even I think it, I should have read through the, the, the sheet again because it says there are four in there. So, oh. <laughs> this sheet has everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so getting through this card, um, I think it's this deck generally of the encounters, I guess. Um, there's, some, there's some nasty treachery in here and there's a whole bunch of locations that you find along the river. There aren't that many enemies that... Or that, that was my experience. Maybe I just got lucky for draw or, or, or what have you. But that was my experience of it. There weren't too many enemies which came up because of because of this. Well, actually, the, I think the first card that came off the deck for me was the Hunters of Mordor, which oh. is a particularly nasty enemy. And I'll, I'll just quickly read that out for, for the listeners. So it's the Hunters from Mordor. They have an engagement cost of 34. They have threat of 2 they hit for two, they defend for two, and they have a massive six hit points. Their type is just Mordor. <laughs> They're just Mordor. <laughs> and that's not even the worst of it. No, but it, are they men? Are they orcs? Are they goblins? 
No, they're just Mordor. But they're the hunters from Mordor. Anyway, <laughs> um, but they, are, they have an effect that says the hunters from Mordor get plus two attack and plus two threat for each clue card in play. Now, like I said, I think this was the first card I got off the deck. So there were no clue cards in play. So I wasn't too worried about that forced effect. And if you remember, I said my starting threat was at 24. So I had to sort of make a decision what I was going to do because I had no allies out or anything like that yet. So because their willpower is only two, unless there are clue cards out, I kind of just left them up there in the staging area and once around spammed them with Dune here just because he gets he, he hits for two but gets the extra one if he's attacking in the staging area. So he could just tickle them just each round, just taking a little he's, bit of a hit. He's not even a king. But, I know. But, but you're quite right. Yeah, that's the great thing about having Dune here if you're not engaging enemies. You can just slowly chip away at them. That's absolutely invaluable. Yeah, and actually, after this point, I didn't really use doing his ability much more in the game. But for that those beginning rounds, it it just took enough. And then basically, I waited till I just chipped them down enough. So then I knew at what point I could optionally engage them and then kill them with Legolas. And I think I had another ally out at that time. And then to give me some extra progress on the quest. Yeah, so that that but it is a particularly nasty enemy if you have clue cards out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, horrible. And there's a fair few of them in the in the deck as well, I think. Yeah, I, I went through this just trying to avoid engagements as much as possible. Yeah. But there are some pretty tricky locations too. I mean i I mean we were mostly hanging around the Anduin again, and I, I got a bit lucky that I did have banks of the Anduin. In fact, I think I had two banks of the Anduin out. And of course, with this ability to be able to look at the encounter deck. What I was doing is I was traveling to the banks of the Anduin. I was exploring it. It was going to the top of the encounter deck. And then I was able to look at the top three cards. I would just choose banks of the Anduin again, put it back into the staging area and then rinse and repeat. I mean, obviously I was getting the extra encounter card as well. Yeah, that was that was something similar I did for when we did the journey down the Anduin, which is exactly yeah, really yeah. amazing if if that one comes out, I think it was on the second quest card. I think then it's just you can just keep sailing down without getting any more enemies. Um, I tried to do that this time, and then I had to engage an enemy, and then it came as a shadow card. I was like, oh no, <laughs> I forgot about that, <laughs> and then it was gone. <laughs> but ah um, uh, yes, because in the for quest card one, of course, you look at the three cards before you quest, or is it after you quest? So on 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 the first card. It's um, after you quest successfully. So look at it. After the player's quest successfully, the first player looks at the top three cards of the encounter deck. Reveal and add one of those cards to the staging area. Discard the other two. Yeah, so that's what I was doing with Banks of the Anduin. So I quest successfully. I would explore the banks and then it would go to the top of the encounter deck. Then I'd look at the three and then put the banks back in. So when you got it as a shadow card, that must have been on quest card two, which perhaps we should just move on to now. But an interesting one there, just to clear something up. So after the player's quest successfully. So when is that exactly? Ah, I actually looked this up. I'm glad that your brain has now become just as twisted as mine when it comes to this sort <laughs> I was of just thing. paranoid about, about <laughs> anything good that happens to you in this game. Is, is normally too good to be true. So. No, because I was, I was thinking, is it before the tokens hit the cards? You know that that's yeah, that's basically because exactly. that's 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 what makes a decision. It's like, um, 
and I looked it up and I couldn't find like a definitive um, like ruling from from Fantasy Flight or anything like that. But what I did find in the in the rules of play and in in sort of turn references and things that basically that you've deemed to quest successfully when your willpower is greater than the threat in the staging area and then you place the tokens it's all one element i'm going to look it up right now because it, it was something that um yeah because what was confusing me about this was you quest successfully let's say you've, the total threat against you was eight and you quested for 10 so you're gonna get two progress but then you have to add a card to the staging area does that count against your quest at that point so if you've got you add a card for three you actually lose one no, because you have already quested successfully. Yeah. So you've already you've already finished questing. You don't quest successfully and hold tokens in your hand and then cards come out and then, then you place the tokens. That whole questing includes putting the tokens down because Good. if you quested unsuccessfully, it wouldn't be like you quested unsuccessfully, you had to do something and then you'd put your threat up. I think it's all, yeah. it's all included. That's what I assumed. I, I, couldn't, I didn't look that deeply, to be honest, but that's what I assumed and that's the way I played it. But I think it's good just to... Just to clear that, it did cause me a little bit of confusion, but but like I said, I didn't spend loads of time looking it up or worrying about it. I just <laughs> no, and I know you absolutely shouldn't be worrying about it because it's look. This this is the um, well, this is an excellent quick reference guide I've got actually, which is available if you search for it on on Board Game Geek, which is kind of an in depth version of what you'll find in in the rule book of when stages in the game process start and stop. So uh, during the quest, it's uh, that's um, three point four <laughs> of the stages, and that's quest resolution, which is as we know still performed even if no characters have quested. We know that. So this is the order of play. So add together all willpower values from committed characters still alive. Then add threat of all cards in the staging area, and then it defines what happens. So if willpower is, is less than the threat, then you must increase your threat by the difference. And then it defines that if willpower is greater than the threat, add difference in progress to current location. That's the next step. And then it moves on to things like if the location is complete, you, you place the tokens on the quest card. And if the quest is complete, you discard the extra progress tokens and move on to the next quest. See, that is all stage 3.4 right so it's all done in one go one it's, step all go. so so putting the tokens yeah. down is part of that it's part of questing successfully exactly because the next thing that happens after that is you're allowed to play actions and that's the end phase 3.5 which characters are no longer considered committed to a quest but they remain exhausted so so basically in that action window when things could happen you're no longer committed to a quest we know that because you can't, you can't influence things at that point. But everything's happened. So therefore, if that's the same for the player, it must be the same for the encounter deck. So when it says, after you've quested successfully, that's after you've placed the tokens. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I could recycle Banks of the Android. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I could only do that on Quest Card 1, because Quest Card 2, which you're going to read any second does a very similar thing, but moves that point of exploring the encounter deck. Yeah. So the second card is called A New Terror Abroad, and it says, The wood was full of a rumour of him, dreadful tales even among beasts and birds. The woodman said that there was some new terror abroad, a ghost that drank blood. And that's just a quote from the Fellowship of a Ring. But there is a, I was going to say, what the hell is that? <laughs> and there's a picture of a uh, 
think some kind of horned creature like a goat or something like this which has been looks like someone's taken a, a bit of a meal <laughs> made a meal of it literally taking a chunk out taking of it taking a chunk out of it that's, and that's a clue for Gollum obviously so flipping that over you see that you need 10 progress to complete this card um Rumours have led you to the eaves of Mirkwood Forest, where the woodmen whisper of a new terror in the night. Forced, at the beginning of the quest phase, the first player looks at the top two cards of the encounter deck. So beginning of the quest phase. Reveal and add one of those cards to the staging area, discard the other. So yeah, what I like about these two cards, I think, is just in terms of the story, what's going on in this quest is on the first card, you quest successfully... And then after that, you you have to have a look at three cards and you pick one of them and put them in. So your basic, the way I've, I sort of feel that works into the story is you're you're taking kind of big steps and you've got a choice of where to go. Okay, let's go in this direction, etc. Whereas this card, yeah, you have a look over. You have a look over there. Is there a is there a sign of Gollum? No, but there is a forest and some orcs. Well, we better deal with one of them. Well, it's, what I'm trying to get to is I think it's it's more you're taking some more, more kind of. You're taking bigger steps, whereas in the second one, it's at the beginning of the quest phase. You look at the top two cards and encounter one. So now you've started to snoop around a bit more. Whereas the first one, you're, you're, you're so you're, hon- you're honing down on on these clues and on yeah. on your objective. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the way I felt it anyway. Yeah, you're lo- you're looking in a smaller area. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. So first card's all about let's go in this direction. Okay, we've done that. Let's go in that direction. The second card's more about oh, it's got to be something around here. Let's have a closer look. Um, yeah. Although I didn't find any signs of Gollum. <laughs> okay. And that may have some consequences. <laughs> I mean, I was looking around. I was finding the banks of the Anduin, just where I left it. <laughs> yeah, there is an inherent flaw in that tactic. Of <laughs> I was finding a few goblins. <laughs> but I was finding no signs of Gollum. So, so it's a similar kind of thing you have to go through. So as we just said... You look at the top two cards in your counter deck before at the beginning of a quest, so before you've committed anyone. So, yeah. so you can kind of manage it a little bit just based on, you know, you know what the card is before you've started committing characters to the quest or whatever. You obviously have to reveal another one during staging. And this one you need to go progress 10 rather than 8, which is the first card. Uh, I found this one, and it, uh, technically it should be more challenging than the first one, just to get an extra card each time. But what I was finding was, I think with a sort of quest-heavy focused deck and the, the amount of locations in this encounter deck, I was finding that actually a lot of the time it was just burning through sort of location cards, uh, making sure you're getting through them and you could just sort of inch your way out through the card. Uh, so it's a little bit more dense than the first card, but I, from a challenge perspective, it was quite similar. But it's all about finding that objective, really. Yeah, well, apparently <laughs> staying, so. staying alive and not having your threat go up too much. No, exactly. I, I, I mean, I was also using it to sort of find treacheries that weren't going to affect me too badly and then just revealing that one and moving it on so that you didn't have any extra threat coming into the staging area. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't really have any trouble at this. Well, I said I didn't have any trouble at this stage. Because I was managing the encounter deck, I was bringing out what I needed to that I knew I could get past. Everything was fine. I was plowing through it, still didn't find any clues, and completed it quite easily. So did I. So, without any further ado, shall we move on to the last quest card? 
Yeah, I that's, think we should. That was quick, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're sailing through this. <laughs> so the third one is called On the Trail. And it's got another quote from the Fellowship of the Ring on the front, which says, But at the western edge of Mirkwood, the trail turned away. It wandered off southwards and passed out the Wood Elves' Ken. Ken? All right, Ken. And was lost. <laughs> that's a Gandalf. Obviously, Ken's mate Gandalf. And when you flip it over, you only need eight to defeat this. Uh, any player who does not control a hero with at least one clue objective attached cannot commit characters to this quest. So hmm. so if you're playing two player and one of you's got a clue and the other one hasn't, the one who hasn't can't commit to quests. If there are ever no heroes with clue objectives attached in play, reset the quest deck to stage 2B. Oh. Which is what both you and I had to do. And I think, and do you know what the funny thing was? A few weeks ago, we played this two-player and we forgot then. <laughs> and we forgot again now. <laughs> Even though the whole thing about objectives was fresh in my mind. So, right, you've got to have an objective to finish this. I remember that. <laughs> Didn't remember this blasted card. <laughs> so, oh, dear. So straight back, yeah. to, straight back to 2B. So I ended up going through 2B, I think two or three times before I... Two, well, you didn't learn. You didn't, you didn't get... Well, actually, well I, I, I couldn't better, help it. I, I better... Well, <laughs> you were questing. You, you couldn't help yeah. yourself. Well, you, it's all about the risk of, of not questing, right? Cause, well, so, this so, is it. So it's really clever. Cause you, and you can control it to an extent because you choose which card comes off the deck before the quest phase. But then you could get stitched up how I was trying to control this was I had Faramir in play. Uh, so obviously, if you use his response or his ability, you can add plus one to everyone who's committed. So I tried to get, I tried to get it. So I'd, you know, I was beating what was out there by three or four, and then see what happened on the on, on the staging. And if I was desperate, if something really bad happened, got a surge, and suddenly there was some nasty stuff or what have you, I could always use Faramir to get me out of it tight spot but then what would happen is if i got something which was a treachery or something like this suddenly i was beating the quest by four it's like boom 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 boom, and you only need 10 to get through this so there were generally locations there too but obviously any overspill because i had northern trackers and and uh lorian guides in play or one of each or whatever it was so they're always sticking one on as well so actually you can get through this quest by accident <laughs> without an objective quite easily well shall i tell you what happened to me in a in a very similar line but i couldn't allow what happened to you to happen to me because <laughs> okay <laughs> too much threat because well you may recall my deck starts with a very low uh, threat 24 fine and actually, I managed to get two Gandalfs out early in the game. And even though I mentioned, I think last week, that I sort of very rarely use Gandalf to draw cards, I had such low threat, <laughs> and I had no no enemies to get rid of. I was just drawing cards like no. But so I used Gandalf twice to draw uh, six cards in total, and he was gone. Um, and then I was questing fine and getting through the thing fine and not finding any clues fine. And obviously, round upon round. My uh, my threat was going up and up and up and up and up, um, and I think there's a, there's a few um, oh there's a few treacheries in there which will which will move your threat up as well, um, and then I had to reset 
to stage two, as we just discussed. Um, and then the, I think the first card off of the deck was it was a clue. It's like, ah, oh, fantastic. Um, and it was guarded by Gladden Fields. So just a reminder of the Gladden Fields. It's a location. It's a marshland and it has threat of three and it takes three to explore it. Uh, it has a force effect. Whilst Gladden Fields is the active location, each player must raise his threat by an additional point during the refresh phase, which of course I did not want. Um, but I had to get this clue. So I actually managed to use a use a northern tracker on it and then I killed someone with Legolas who also had a um, blade of blade of gondolin on him um so i managed to sort of clear it straight away so i didn't actually have that forced effect of the uh of my threat going up and and the clue went to the staging area because just a reminder the clues can only be claimed after you've quested successfully so um the fact that i'd explored that location um I'd expl- basically I'd, I'd explore that location by using Legolas's ability that was already in the um, combat phase. In the combat phase, yep. so I had to wait another round to be able to claim that objective. So another round went by, and next card off of the uh, encounter deck was another clue. Fantastic! <laughs> I know where this <laughs> is going. <laughs> so there's two in play. Yeah, and that, and that second clue got guarded by a treachery, so there was two up there. All I had to do was quest successfully. I could claim those two cards. Yeah. And I'd be laughing. Sounds easy. It is. So, stage two, reset, is in play. I have seven progress on it. So, I'm in trouble here. There's no location. <laughs> You've got to hit... Like this sliver, you got to hit the bullseye, basically, right? You got one dart. I need to quest successfully for either one or two progress. Yeah. If I quest for three, the quest is immediately completed, and I haven't claimed those objectives, and I've got to go right through stage two again. <laughs> so I had a decision to make, but of course, you may remember from the beginning of our conversation, I turned Eowyn into a super quester. <laughs> So she was questing for six, no matter what. <laughs> Did you have anything else in the staging area? Or was it just these two objectives? No, I, I think there was one. I have a picture somewhere. But I think there was, there was one other thing in there, one location. Probably Banks of the Anduin. Um, and I was like, yeah, it was. It was Banks of the Anduin, which I think only contributes one threat. So I really had to make a decision. You should have, you should have to... traveled there. No, but I couldn't. No, the previous game. No, well, no, I had to go to the Glanon Fields to to explore it oh, to get the clue. Oh, she did it from the combat. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh no, that's horrible. I was thinking, I was thinking, then why don't you just protect yourself with with a location? Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, because I. Uh... <laughs> oh God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I couldn't risk questing about. Well, if I quested away, when there's well, no way. So I decided I'd only quest for three. I think it was with a. A uh, scout, a tracker, and someone else. Farlin, you must have quested a hero, otherwise you wouldn't be able to claim the objectives. Dune here. There's Dune here. Was yeah. They both quest for one, don't they? Those two. So I think it was Dune here. Makes sense. It must have been, it must have been Dune here or, or Legolas, but I think it was Dune here. Yeah. So. Um, uh... um, but it actually didn't matter because I quested for three, and then. 
I know what's, I know who's coming. <laughs> so no, I only question three. So so therefore, if there was if basically if there was a treachery if it was treachery that came out, then I would still be all right because there was one threat in the staging area, mm-hmm. and yeah, you'd have two. I, I'd still have two. So then the first thing came out another Gladden Fields, which is three threat. So I quested unsuccessfully. <sighs> <laughs> So, my threat is now on 47. Oh, blimey. <laughs> yeah. Why did you take the cards? <laughs> Two Gandalfs. But with that Gladden Fields, I had to reset the encounter deck because I'd gone all the way through the encounter deck. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I reset that. I travelled to the Gladden Fields. Which was good because it means basically yeah, I've got do next plenty time. of do next time. plenty of buffer to get through that. So that that I wasn't too worried about, but I was a bit worried that I was about to start threatening out. But I figured I could just get through that, get the objectives. I've got so much willpower now; I'll be able to just plow through the uh, the third quest. But then, but then your threat's going to go up by two with Gladden Fields. Yeah, but I was just going to get through it, and I can't remember how exactly I did it. I think again, but with a with a Legolas uh, trick, right. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember okay. exactly, but I uh, I travelled. Oh no! Well, perhaps it wasn't up to forty seven at that point. You're right because it would have gone up. Maybe it was forty six. Yeah, it was certainly in the mid forties. Anyway, yeah, because I've I've, <laughs> I've 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 made a note that my threat was at forty eight when I got onto stage three B. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So. Yeah. So I at that point. So anyway, I must have gone up one more extra for Gladden Fields, like you say, um, and then I. Had a completely reset encounter deck. I had to look at the top two cards. I think I chose a treachery that didn't do anything and, and moved on. So I then quested with Eowyn and I probably just Eowyn for the, for for six because I knew I still had Banks the Anduin up there. I had the three from the Gladden Fields. And I thought, right, I'll just get through this. I'll be then able to win this without too much grief. The first things off of the encounter deck was the Crows. Ah, which <laughs> you should have quested Farlin. You would have been fine. I didn't have Farlin. I had oh yeah, of course. So then, <laughs> so then I had crows. I keep, I keep banging on about Farlin. That's my deck. <laughs> All right, you have crows. I know what's coming. Do you know what they surged into? Orc, Mordor orcs, crows. <laughs> More crows. Um, and then. Into Pursued by Shadow, which is a very nasty treachery that I think raises your threat by by the number of allies not questing. Correct. But yeah. luckily, I only had two allies not questing because oh, that's right. I had I had a Northern Tracker and a um, Scout because I was dealing with other locations all over the place. So they were questing, and I think I had um, a Gondorian Spearman and an eagle or something um so i had two and that's what put my threat up to 48 <laughs> so that put my threat up to 48 i did manage to claim both objectives just, <laughs> just. um i know you fine and and complete and complete it yeah but then it went through it did it complete the whole thing i think i then had to kill some oh yeah i killed a crow with Legolas to go to, to complete, complete the quest, uh. <laughs> to complete the quest, 
That put me on to the... Um... Oh, no, I think I got some some shadow card <laughs> on the crows that took tokens off of the Bloomin' Quest. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I still managed to do it with Legolas because he had the Blade of Gondolin as well. So it managed to complete it. I got onto stage 3B with my threat at 48. First card out off of my deck, Gandalf. Oh. So I drew three cards. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. so... so <laughs> you destroyed, a, destroyed the other crows. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, so I lowered my threat to 43 and I could breathe again. And then, do you know what the next card off the encounter deck was? The Hunts from Mordor. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another treachery. False lead. Now we'll read this oh, one. Oh no, this is horrible. <laughs> so a false lead is a treachery and it says, when revealed, the first player chooses and shuffles a card with the printed clue trait back into the encounter deck. If there are no clue cards in play, false lead gains search. But more importantly at this stage, if there were no clue cards in play, then we'd have to reset back to stage 2B. But luckily I managed to claim both those clues. So one went back. Yeah. And I could continue. And yeah. with that, I won by just questing everybody. And I just beat uh, stage three in one hit. So false, false lead is the one that you want to see early in the game. But but, but not later. <laughs> I, I do apologize. I was quite a ramble there. But that was basically... I, I was just having a nice, leisurely trip, hunting for Gollum. <laughs> It can go horribly wrong. Well, when you start with a, a starting threat of 24, you think you've got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I played with um, yeah, my heroes on this. The last time I did it, it was Eowyn and Theodred. And they had a starting threat of 17. <laughs> I still couldn't get to reduce it. But anyway, I, 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 it wasn't too, I wasn't in too much danger of fretting out with those guys. But... Card 3B, there was one bit I didn't read out, which is the last sentence. And it goes back. So this thing I was going to remember, see the long bottom leaf hasn't completely destroyed my mind. I'm I'm surprised you can remember anything after I think I've ranted for the last five minutes. (laughs) No, but it's great. I love it. I mean, that's the great thing about this game, isn't it? I've always been drawn to games. And I think this probably says something about my upbringing as well. And playing games with just with my dad and my sister and whoever um, was, we always enjoyed games where something chaotic can happen, or you can be almost win, and then you're completely gutted, or or, or whatever. And this is absolutely one of those games. It's hilarious, yeah, because you can yeah. go from you're just on the verge of winning to absolutely like a combination of events. How can these events transpire in that particular order? And it's hilarious. Anyone listening to that can obviously completely relate to it who's played. This- this game and that's one of the most joyous things about this game even though you're completely gutted and ruined it's great it's just so funny and then <laughs> the flip side of that coin is it can go the other way as well you can go from um, i'm doomed this is despair and suddenly some chain of events can occur or you have to have some certain uh, combination of cards or whatever which can suddenly get you out of a almost impossible situation and that's that's such a good thing about this game um, yeah, it's wonderful. You, you, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? And sometimes you can just sail through something. Sometimes you can just fall straight off the cliff in the first couple of goes, <laughs> and everything in between. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
Terrific. So, sorry, I interrupted you again. What, what were you about to say? No, so, okay. The, the, the line, of, line of text, which we didn't read out. Yeah, so, in fact, I'll just read through the card again. So it says, any player who does not control a hero with at least one clue objective attached cannot commit characters to this quest. If there are ever no heroes with clue objectives attached in play, reset the quest deck to stage 2B. So this is important, what you're saying, something to bear in mind. If you, just as you said, if you do get that false lead and that's taken away the last objective in play, you have to go back to 2B. <laughs> so that can happen oh literally at the last second, you know. So something, something, something to bear in mind. Uh, I haven't had that one happen to me yet. Then the last line says, and this is just the condition for winning. If the players defeat the stage, the players have once again, once again, found a true sign of Gollum's passing and won the game. I say that again. If the players, this the first time you've ever played this. If yes. the players defeat the stage, the players have once again found a true sign of Gollum's passing and won the game. So bearing that in mind, maybe it should be called a hunt for Gollum because it's one of many. <laughs> Rather than the hunt for Gollum, because this kind of implies that it's all—it's more than one. We've done. We've been here before. <laughs> um, Once again, I—I I, I don't. I, it's obvious. It's clear yeah. what it means. I just don't understand that wording. Where it says "once again," oh, I've never played this before. <laughs> I think they're just uh, they the aspirations of uh, of uh, of storytelling. I think yes. I mean, that must be what it is. But, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing this this quest again. I mean, I, I really I really did have a good time with it. But the, the same thing happened. I think every time I play it, though, I get the same feeling when I finish it, which is, where's Gollum? <laughs> you know? Because, I mean, yeah. I, I, I remember when I first got the... Uh, Got the AP. It's like, oh, we're going to be looking for Gollum. Okay, Gollum's going to be the final thing. We're going to find Gollum. No, we're not going to find Gollum. We're going to succeed in hunting for him. Yeah. We're going to find a clue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first... And, and, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, and, uh, it's a little bit anticlimactic in that respect. But, uh, I mean, I, f- I forgive it quite quickly. But it's like, okay, here we go. D- I mean, but don't put Gollum in the name of the AP and then don't feature him. Well, I think... So what dawned on me doing this one was, yeah, okay, it's called The Hunt for Gollum. And what this, so so you play the core set, right? And you've got three, well, we talked about this at length before. You've got three quests, which kind of introduce you to different aspects of the game, different ways of storytelling and whatever. We discussed that at length before. This is a cycle, the first one. And I was, I was of the same mind. I was like, oh, there's no Gollum. And I was also, I was also, a little bit confused about the fact that in that sheet it says you have to find as many objectives as possible but actually you don't actually it might be better just to only have one in play and just get rid of all the others right you only need I, one I, I, right? I, I, I highly recommend two <laughs> okay okay but fine but then if you do get one of these hunters then suddenly they're getting plus two oh, for yeah. each, if you've got four in play ten i mean yeah no chance anyway long story short when i finish this one the first time I played it, I was I was kind of thinking, yeah, I didn't quite. I mean, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't quite get the fact that yeah, I didn't find Gollum. I didn't quite get the fact that you know about his clues. But the clues was that was just more a games mechanic thing. About the Gollum bit though was the good thing about that. Is what that made me realize is, oh, actually, 
this is a cycle. This is just a portion of a bigger story, which surely is going to unfold as we go on. And I don't want to talk about anything that happens later on because we'll, we'll cover those as, as, we, as we go on. But that was my feeling at the time when I got to the end of this. I thought, oh, yes, I'd wanted to see Gone, but at the same time, I was like, oh, this is, this is a larger narrative. In that way, it yeah. makes it much more Lord of the Rings-like in its scope, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, you're absolutely right, of course. But uh, it's called Hunt for Gollum. <laughs> you're still tra- <laughs> You were, you were hunting for Gollum. It's part of the hunt. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah. If I was to try and bring a lawsuit against it, I think I'd probably lose. Let's say, well, well, sir, were you or were you not hunting for Gollum? <laughs> yes. Well, yes, but did you hunt for? Gollum? Yes, I did. Did you find him? I found a clue. <laughs> well, the, the hunt continues. Well, the hunt was a success. Once again, once again. <laughs> I have found a true sign so of God. When you go all the way back to card 1A, the first line says, Gandalf has requested your assistance in the search for the elusive creature known as Gollum. Your search begins in the Anduin Valley between Mirkwood Forest and the Misty Mountains. That's where this whole thing takes place. So it's kind of suggesting a, a, a larger uh, story at work here. Well, we were in the neighbourhood because um, yeah. Lady Gladriel had already sent us off yeah. to uh, have a nosy around um, Dolgador. Yeah. And we're on, we're on our that, way back. And, and that was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, that was an absolute waste of time, is what it was. <laughs> thanks, 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 lady. So, yeah, and then, uh, and then, oh, what was this? Oh, the wizard. What, can I help? Can I help you? Yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't help me find this uh, creature, Gollum. Yeah, sure. Where do you want us to look? Well, anywhere around here would be fine. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, where where would be a likely location? <laughs> the Anduin, of course. Yeah. Is, that, is that what it oh. says? I can't remember. <laughs> you literally just read it. Yeah. Um, rumours have suggested that Gollum is in this area. There you go. So. Rumours? Rumours? This one is, again, this is what it says on the insert card. <laughs> Look at this. Okay. All right. Check this out. The Hunt for Gollum. This is what the first thing it says on here, right? At the request of Gandalf, the heroes are searching for Gollum in the Andrian Valley between the Misty Mountains and Mirkwood Forest. Rumours have suggested that Gollum is in this area and the heroes are looking for clues that might put them on the elusive creature's trail. And then in the next thing, it literally, it literally says the objective is to find clues. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I think our okay. disappointment was... Pro- I think, ironically, our powers of sleuth detective work failed massively even though we passed the actual quest <laughs> yeah but did the hero say uh, to Gandalf yeah well, we can do that for you Gandalf do you have any documentation or anything we should read first <laughs> he just said it, it, well he said look for clues look for clues lads <laughs> or ladies pop. Oh, blimey. Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) I'm just wondering if there's a couple of other cards from the encounter set that I want to go over. I mean, or or do you have any any tales of of how you completed it in the end that you want to talk about before we do that? Uh, Not really. I think um, 
in a general way, I think, yeah, you know, just the number of locations and the nature of the quest, I think you need to be able to quest, I guess. I, I, I might be wrong about that. I don't think I've tried this with a kind of fighting heavy deck, but I would assume it's kind of difficult to do it that way. Um, yeah, you actually, I, I, I mean, I think you're right. I don't think there are enough enemies to... I mean, yeah, you have to be able to quest through all the, the, the locations. I mean, you're searching, aren't you? So if, thematically, that does make sense as well. There are some nasty enemies, but as long as you've got a little bit of uh, firepower, you should be okay. Yeah, there's a couple of um, nasty treachery. So we, we spoke about False Lead, which is one that discards for clues. And what I like about a couple of these treacheries is at the beginning, they, they do nothing. But later on, they can really harm you. So you already mentioned one. Oh, what was it called? The one, was it that Pursued by Shadow? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you, everyone is not committed to a quest, raise your threat by one. Uh, that's a nasty one, especially if your threat's getting high. Um, oh, uh, do you know what? I've just found a photo that I took of, of that when I drew that Pursued by Shadow. It put my threat up to 47 at that stage. So, uh, yeah, if you want to go back and do the maths. So, yeah, you're, that's, uh... you're one-off. You need <laughs> Gandalf saved you. There you see, you had a go at him, but he was there to pull you out, you know, when you, when you needed it. Uh, the other couple of treacheries, which are sort of specific to this deck, are there's one called Old Wives' Tales. Oh, yeah, I highlighted this. Which is well. a gossip card. A gossip card. Well, yeah, because someone's right there spreading yeah, rumours. I like that. That, that golems out and about. Gossip, but it could put you on a false direction, right? It's gossip. Maybe give you a false lead. Exactly. Don't, don't believe everything you hear. It's gossip. <laughs> it says, when... dear, dear listener, don't believe everything you hear. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can be pretty assured of that. If someone's, <laughs> if someone's listening to us, <laughs> okay. This one says, "I don't think I don't think these boys are speaking the truth." <laughs> yeah. You can trust us. Listen to these voices. It says, uh, "Old wives' tales, gossip. When revealed, discard one resource from each hero's resource pool if able. Exhaust any hero that could not discard a resource from its pool." So that's not massively nasty, but you know, if it, you know, it could have an effect. Whereas each hero will lose a resource, or it could end. You could end up exhausting somebody when you least need it. Yeah, I think that's actually the toughest bit. Is if you don't have the resources, that you suddenly get an exhausted hero. So this one's probably the opposite of what of what I was alluding to earlier. In that this one, you probably want to see later in the game rather than earlier, where you probably got more chance of being able to afford stuff. Whereas at the beginning, I'm guessing your resource is going to be pretty much zero in the first few goes um and then we we then we have a disaster oh, oh go on oh, i was gonna i was just gonna say it, but actually i think you just uh you just gonna say it, i gotta say can i say just my favorite treachery in this deck and that's uh you, you were just about to say it. it's it's flooding and i i love this card so i mean i hate I. it it's horrible it's great but i love it but it's flooding and what i love about it is it's a disaster yeah exactly same here <laughs> Disaster. I love. I've always loved the word disaster. There's something comical about the word disaster. It's, it's so. It's a, it's a disaster. Everything has gone wrong. Everything. It makes me laugh so much. I mean, it's horrible. It's a terrible card. But flooding disaster. All hope has gone. Extinguished in a flood. I mean, but it's a particularly nasty card. I mean, it's doomed one, so your threat's going up by one. Boom. It's got surge, Boom. so you're getting another card. Yeah. I mean, one thing after another. 
And it's got a when revealed effect. So when revealed, remove all progress tokens from all Riverland locations, which of course thematically is brilliant. There's been a disaster. It's a disaster. And, and basically, you were searching this Riverland area. Now it's underwater. Go and search it again. Yeah, exactly. And all, I think, isn't every location of Riverland in this? I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think it's everyone because it mixes in. Um, I think everyone from the from the Gollum set is, but then oh, um, Gladdenfields is marshland rather than river. Exactly. Riverland. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I think there's the Eaves of Mirkwood oh, yeah, as well. I'm just looking through now. That's a forest. Yeah. So yeah, oh, no, all the others are, but yeah, you know, there are some with chance. Yeah. And also, I like the shadow effect of this card as well. Shadow resolve for when revealed effect of this card. <laughs> Lazy writing. Lazy oh, design. <laughs> what should we do for this? Well, the wind reveals really bad. Let's call it okay. <laughs> You're like, first time it happens, oh, at least I've got this as a shadow rather than a. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Disaster. Disaster. <laughs> oh, dear. And then you have some of our, our, our other favourites. So we already discussed Pursued by Shadow. Do you have our, our, our old treacherous fog? Ah. Each location in the staging area gets plus one until the end of the phase. Then each player with a threat of 35 or higher chooses and discards one card from his hand. So again, one which comes into play later. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that that I was getting that card, or I got that card um, I, when you're choosing three cards in that stage one. If you can choose oh, yeah. that one, you bring, oh, yeah. you bring it in immediately. It's going to have no effect. And this one's you know, similar. Just... Evil Storm. When revealed, deal one damage to each character controlled by each player with a threat of 35 or higher. So again, these ones you want to see at the beginning. You can just burn them off for no loss. But then at the towards the end of the game, when your threat is high and your players have got some damage and all the rest of it, then you don't want to see them. So I quite like, quite, I like the way this, this quest balances. So you want to see different cards at different points and... Yeah, it's a good quest. I, I, I enjoy this one. Yeah, there's, there's some nice cards. There's one other enemy card which we haven't mentioned, which uh, I also thought, thought was quite nice, but also because I uh, I had quite a nice way of dealing with it, which is the Goblin Town Scavengers. I just like the fact that they're the Goblin Town Scavengers. That sounds... It's, it's just invokes a lovely image. Um, <laughs> and they are a goblin and an orc enemy, of course. They have an engagement cost of 12. They have threat of one they hit for one they have no defense and they have three hit points so they're, they're pretty soft and fleshy but um they do have quite a nasty when revealed effect which is when revealed discard the top card of each player's deck until the end of the phase increase goblin time scavengers threat by the total printed cost of all cards discarded in this way that's nasty if, two, if you're playing two player right exactly that's what, exactly what i was about to say so obviously this get this gets exponentially worse the more players you you've got um but actually, top tip, if you are playing Dune here, you can just bring this guy out, you will um, discard the top card of your deck, you'll add that to the threat, and then if you've got Quick Strike, just what I did is I played Quick Strike, immediately play Dune here and kill this guy in the staging area, so therefore that whole threat thing is, is nullified, which was just uh, just felt good, and it's, it's sometimes nice just to make a note of these nice little plays, which, you know, make it all worth it. Nice, yeah. Yeah, and, and failing that, then you can always... Well, what I did is you could suck up the threat on that one round. Like, so I was only playing solo, so it wasn't... It, I think I only got him twice. One time I did it with that uh, that quick attack with Dune here. And then, and then another time, um, I think I had to add two to his, uh, to his threat. Then I brought him in 
as an optional engagement and killed it with Legolas in one hit. So it actually helped with my progress anyway. So yeah, I and mean, he's got an engagement cost. These guys got an engagement cost of twelve. So you're pretty much going to engage these guys every time. They're not going to. They'll they'll, yeah. they'll stitch up once in the staging area, and then they'll they, then they're coming. <laughs> Yeah, the scavengers exactly and not just scavengers goblin town scavengers the worst oh, the worst have you ever have you ever stayed there no, good no god no. passed through <laughs> don't blame you um i do like some of the locations on this deck i must say so in terms of the artwork and the theming oh it's 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 great in fact the way the theming works throughout this whole thing even the treachery cards they all completely stay within that theme of your by the river. Um, you're exploring it. It's, it's great. I think the more time you take just to just take a couple of seconds just to look at the car's location, just add so much to the atmosphere, in my in my opinion. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's really worth it. And actually, some, some of the artwork on these is... Oh, it's beautiful. It's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I think at one point in the staging area, I had the West Bank and the East Bank, and I was on currently on the banks of the Anduin. It's like, yeah, well, this kind of makes sense. I'm on the banks of the Anduin, and then the East Bank is over there, and the West Bank is over there. Where should we go and look next? So it, uh, yeah, the, I mean, thematically, it really, really nails it. It hits, hits it out of the park, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, after my beef from last week with uh, the locations that turned up in a dungeon, this one really brings it back onto track. Yes, completely. Yeah, I agree with that. It completely stays within within the theme. Okay, I think we've pretty much covered everything this quest has to offer. I mean, it, I, I, like I said, I really had quite a good time revisiting it, and it really uh, it's great when you come out of the core set and you start to open up these APs. And yeah, okay, you're the, the, this quest is not it's not as complex as anything like um, Escape from Dolgador, and yeah, maybe you don't find Gollum, but like you say, it really starts to open up the story and it certainly whets the appetite for further quests to come and um yeah i'm excited to start playing through these again yep same here yep really good quest really enjoyable different take on things as what uh, compared to what we've seen already in the core set and uh yeah excited to do next ones great okay well we'll be getting on with the next one which i believe is conflict of the carrick oh yeah that's the one oh. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> um, okay, but we'll be doing that. But next week, we will be having a, a sort of non-spoiler episode where we'll be starting to look at some of the player cards from the first cycle. Uh, I'm not sure which ones yet, but we'll uh, we'll work that out. So we're not going to hang around. We're not going to do any non-spoilery stuff, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. So that pretty much wraps things up for this week. So all it leaves me to say is thank you once again for listening. It's good to be back. And uh, we'll speak to you next time. So goodbye. Bye.